you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Boy, lots of people throughout history have said Jesus is coming back mm-hmm. on this particular date. Get ready. But it never happens, does it? No, he never showed up. No, but people ask that same question today. And the disciples asked it. That's right. And Jesus does not answer their question. Instead, he gives them warnings. Let's hear those warnings today on More Than Ink. Good morning and welcome. We're so glad you've joined us. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim. And we're sitting here at our dining room table, as we always are, just to talk with you and each other about what God's Word says. We have been talking about what Jesus said, the woes to the Pharisees. His confrontation with them. They were confrontive and powerful. He called them some brutal names. And then at the end of last week's conversation, we read this lament, this tender lament over Jerusalem, how Mm. I long to gather you under my wings, but you weren't willing. Nope. And so we come to the part of the story where this reads like Jesus is leaving the temple for good, like we are just done as we come into chapter 24. And then uh, the disciples are going to ask him some questions about, well, when is all that going to happen? Well, and it's, it's worth pointing out, too, that when they came into Jerusalem at this Passion Week, Almost everybody was expecting that Jesus was going to come in right. and do a big political, military, powerful takeover thing. I mean, some some really huge public justice thing uh, that'll that'll affect the authority of the Romans, the authority the, the the authority of the bad leaders, the religious leaders. And and now we're far enough into the week that I think it's dawned on them that that's not going to happen this week. He had all these opportunities, and all he's been doing has been having these verbal fisticuffs with right. the Pharisees, and it doesn't look like he's getting the upper hand, and it doesn't look like he's taking over anything. So when we get to this passage today, I think Jesus is going to address the fact that they're realizing that maybe the coming of the kingdom is is in the future somehow. Maybe it's not today, maybe it's not this week, but it is coming soon, but it's not this week. And so that's why Jesus starts off on a very long section in Matthew talking about the second coming, what we call the second coming. He calls it basically the coming of the end of the age. Right. And so that's what we're going to look at today. But I I really am intrigued by the way this chapter starts, because in verse 1, it says, and this is right after the lament Matthew had included, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jesus left the temple and was going away. Going away. And the way that suddenly struck me was, he is decisively turning his back on all of that confrontation. We're done here, right? He's going away. When his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, well, why would they do that? maybe they were leaving sooner than they were ready. Hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, Lord, mm-hmm. you know, there's still stuff we haven't seen yet, right? Because right. <laughs> Herod's temple was was massive and huge, and there had been tons of construction going on for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so in verse 2, he answered them, you see all these, don't you? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Wow. Oh, destruction. Well, it's brand new. Herod had just built it. <laughs> well, in fact, there's still a couple still years left before yeah. he finished his. And, and you know, and the, those big limestone uh, 
blocks that make up the temple, they're all gold co- coated as well. So I mean, it's a it's a it's an impressive looking and they're place. Big, big blocks. Yes, yes. Yeah, we were talking absolutely. about this the other day that you can still in Jerusalem see some of those stones that when the Romans came mm-hmm, in in seventy mm-hmm. A.D. and pushed them off the temple platform, they just left them where they fell. Left them where they crashed two or three stories down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Jesus predicts an, an utterly unthinkable thing for the apostles and for anyone who's standing around listening. Right that this is going to be all destroyed. So the reason that it was so completely one stone uh, taken off another was because of the gold. Yeah, that's right. right? Because the the soldiers would have wanted to claim all of that gold. If they burned the temple and the gold melted down, they would push the rocks apart to get the gold. Yeah, yeah, right. And it was Rome's intention when this happened with Titus in 70 AD, Rome's intention was not just to... Uh, I don't know, discourage the Jews, but actually to stop them as an ethnic group right. there. And so they figured if we get rid of the temple, then they have no reason to stay in this region. They'll disperse, and that'll be the end of the Jewish problem. Well, and we know over the next couple of hundred years, they systematically built their own stuff on top of the Jewish the, holy the sites. Romans and obli- the Romans did. The Romans did, and obliterated them. Yeah. Right, right, right. So they're thinking the best way to, to scatter a people is to get rid of their temple. And that's what they do. Because it was a lot of work. It's a lot of work. They didn't have bulldozers. But Jesus predicts this. And I think the, the fact that there's no response, it just stuns everybody because they're admiring this great edifice. And Jesus says, well, pretty soon they'll all be it's taken all down. It's all be torn down. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's a good introduction into the the end of the age. <laughs> so they've they've left the temple, they've crossed the Kidron Valley, and they're they're headed for the Mount of Olives across the across the valley, where you can turn back and look at yeah, the temple. Yeah, you get a good view of the temple. Well, so, I'll, I'll read. Okay, I read? verse three, okay. yeah. yeah. Verse three, we're in chapter 24, if we forgot to tell you. So as he sat on the Mount of Olives, like you're saying, you get a good view of the temple from the Mount of Olives. It faces right there. The disciples came to him privately saying, well, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they'll lead many astray. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed for this must take place But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Okay, stop. Yeah. Yeah. So they're asking for a sign about this, the the cataclysmic destruction of the temple for one thing. What do we watch for? But I I think it's interesting what they link together in their question. They said, when will these things be? That's the destruction of the temple. The sign of your coming and the end of the age. They put all those together in one one question. Well, it makes you think that perhaps Jesus had indicated somewhere along, and Matthew didn't give us much of that or even an inkling of that. And Mm -hmm, he gathered mm -hmm. it all up here. So, you know, they, they had the idea that, uh-oh, it's not going to be right now. Yeah, and that's clear by how they're asking this question. Right. You know, it's going to be somewhere in the future. But in answering, when they're, you know, they're asking for some clues, which is what we do today. We're looking for clues right. when Jesus will right. come back. He doesn't, he doesn't give them the signs. He gives them kind of non-signs. But what I love, and I, this is, I think this is really important because we overlook this. He gives them two things. Two times he says, see that. See that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pay attention to this, that no one leads you astray and that you are not alarmed. Right? In verse right, 6. Right. And in between, he says some other things. Well, because watch. because people are going to claim to be Christ. Right. So be on your guard. They're, so not, they're not me. Don't be misled and right. don't be afraid. 
Right. So he's not really answering their question about a sign, but no. he's saying, and one, by the time we get there, you need to be on your P's and Q's. You need to be on your tiptoes because you can be led astray in this period of time. Because many will come and claim to be him. Right, right. And also, when you hear about cataclysmic wars going on, that's not the war at the end of time. I mean, there's going to be right. wars well, and not rumors just of wars, wars, but rumors of wars. Yeah, right. You know, nations, kingdoms, big famines, big earthquakes. I mean, cataclysms, tumult. Well, you, were, you would likely think this must be the end because this is about as bad as it can get. Well, and because it touches everything, right? Political upheaval, social upheaval, mm-hmm. geographic, geologic upheaval right right and to this day many christians when they see gigantic things going down on the on the world stage they say maybe this is the end well jesus is saying no no and that's not really the point for you to kind of guess when that's going to happen yeah these are the labor pains right and any woman who's ever given birth knows labor can go on for a very <laughs> long time at the end of it there's baby right <laughs> and that's that's a big clue in eight this is a this is a progression that's going yeah. to be going on. You're yeah. going to be constantly having this progression of increasing painful cataclysms on the earth, but that's not the end yet. That's just it's the beginning. It's almost like the earth itself is also in labor yeah. toward the yeah. day that the maker returns to touchdown. And right. that set me thinking, if you kind of track this idea of birth pains, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. you can do this using your concordance. I found myself in Romans 8. Where Paul says, for we know in verse 22 that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now, right? All creation is waiting for this day when God will put everything right. And it also speaks quite directly to the fact that it's going to be increasingly painful. Yes. And so, you know, those who expect that the world will get better before Jesus comes back, he's saying right here, actually, it won't. It'll get increasingly well, painful. the other thing about labor is it's unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's not on a time only table. increasing in pain. It is on its own timetable, and it yep. is aiming for a goal. <laughs> right. <laughs> so during this period, this progression period, where Jesus is not giving him any signs about when the big end is going to be, but he's saying during this period, you're going to have to watch out. And that's what he, that's a, he picks up that admonition in verse 9. You want to read that? Yeah, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, Mm -hmm. but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, we have to stop there. How many many's? Did you hear? Yeah, I know. I know. It's almost like he just doesn't have enough words to to emphasize yep, the yep. broad effect uh, on so many people, on countless people, yeah, and it's a really yeah. wide ranging effect. Right, right. So we're not just talking about persecution of the apostles. We're talking about persecution and hatred for those who are just followers of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? So somehow in his answer to the question, you know, when is this going to happen and what will be the signs, he goes from kind of intertwining, well, before long, all these stones will be torn down, not one Mm -hmm. another. And then kind of he weaves in this much larger picture of the end of the age. Of the progress toward the right. end of the age, yeah, yeah, and the and the fact you know here they're going to see just in a couple of days the the hatred rise up and kill Jesus, 
And then in their lifetimes, the apostles will see the hatred rise up and kill them as well. Jesus says, you know, if they treated me poorly, they'll mm-hmm. treat you poorly. But here he's saying that even on a much broader scale, you'll be hated by all nations. By all, This is a large scale thing. They'll put you to death. There'll be tribulation. So, so what they're starting this week with Jesus and the persecution of Jesus is actually going to continue on with the followers of Jesus until the end of the age. Yeah, and he says, you will be put to death. You'll be delivered up. You will be hated. Right, for my name's right. sake. But then in verse 10, he kind of shifts and begins to talk about the others, right? Mm-hmm. Many, and I see warnings here, yes. right? There's a warning for those who are faithful. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. There's a warning for those who are unfaithful, right? Those right, many right. will fall away and then they will betray one another and hate right. one another. There's a warning again regarding false prophets leading many astray. That's right. And then yeah. there's a warning that this lawlessness will be so increased that love will cool off. Right, right. Will grow cold. Yeah, so there's there is it's interesting. They ask for a sign so they so they can know when all this is going down. And Jesus says, "No, you need to be concerned about what goes on from now until right. that day." Because this is this grinding this is process that's right. not going to stop. This is dangerous. There will be false Christs, there will be false prophets. Their intent is to lead you astray. There will be tribulation. You'll be hated by all nations, not just the traditional enemies of Israel. Mm-hmm. By all, na- you'll be hated by all nations because of Jesus' name. And the danger is that many will indeed fall away and then end up betraying one another and hating one another. So, and then it's going to be hard to love one another, right? Because right. it's going to be dangerous. And yeah. this idea of lawlessness, not knowing or accepting law, but that makes me think of the period of the judges when it says everybody <laughs> did what was right in their own right eyes. Right in their own eyes. Boy, right. are we seeing that today? Right, right. Well, when you when you remove the standard of righteousness, which is right. defined by God's character, people do what they think is good, but it actually is extraordinarily well, it's what bad. What they think is good. Yeah, exactly. Good for them. And and you know, there are very strong words in twelve where he says lawlessness mm-hmm. will be increased. And you know, if you ask anyone today, are you a lawful person? They say, well, you know, I, I do the right things and I don't speed down Main Street and stuff like that. But but here, when he says lawlessness, he means an absolute disdain right. for doing anything other than what I want. What to I do. want. Mm-hmm. Yes. I am a law to it, myself. It'll be very selfish. That's the whole judges thing. What they thought was right. But then that next line gives me a chill. The love of many will grow cold. And I looked up this grow cold thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's the word they use when you take a hot meal, like a hot pie, and you need to cool it off. And it doesn't happen instantly. You put it in like on a window shelf or something right. like that, and it just slowly cools down. So what he's saying is that this this love is going to is going to slowly decay off so slowly that you may not even notice it's right. happening. I mean, it's just gonna just gonna slough away until all of a sudden you're living in a culture in a society where there is no love. And since love is a very selfless thing, and people here based on lawlessness will be very selfish, you'll be finding yourself suddenly uh, in this place where everyone lives for themselves, no one cares anything about other people. There is no sense of benefiting other people in a selfless kind of way. That will all be gone. Every man for himself, uh, do what I want to do. I don't care what you do. You can't tell me what to do. I know what's right. And that's what it would be. But it'll happen over a long period of time. So it, you won't even notice don't that even it's happening. It. It's kind of the frog in the pot. Yeah. Going the other yeah. direction. Many will grow cold, will, will cool off. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, we even describe that uh, kind of in a a chill in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm, when you mm-hmm. suddenly there's a distance, there's it's not really a break, it's just a a backing away and a dropping of the temperature. Right, right, right. That's what this is describing. Right, right. And this is this is actually the manifestation of violating the two great commandments mm, Jesus asked right. about about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and loving loving man as well. You know when you when you stop loving God, you stop loving the character and nature of God. And and Jesus told us there's only one that's good. Right. You stop you stop loving the very thing that's the source of good in your life. And what do you replace it with? Well, you replace it with self. Self. That's, that's the lawlessness. Right. I want to do what I want to do, and I don't care who God is. And then also as a result, when you stop loving those that God loves, the people that are around you then your love grows cold because you're committed to your own good and never to another person's good. So this is really, this is the, this is the slow dying away from loving God and loving people. I, it, I just I was turning my pages here because suddenly what came to mind to me was, was the letter to the Laodiceans in Revelation 3, oh, yeah, this right. idea of being not, neither hot nor cold, but being mm-hmm. lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just read these couple of verses. Uh, the, the Father says, God says in verse 15 of Revelation 3, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm, right, you've just mm-hmm. cooled mm-hmm. down, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth because you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Hmm. Right? So the effect of this cooling off, of this disregarding the love of God and the love of people, I'm, I'm wealthy, I have all that I need, it's all about me. me God me, says, me. but your yeah. condition is poor and wretched and miserable and blind and naked. Yep, yep. But you don't know it. Yep. You know, we I say this a lot. You know, there are a few people in our culture who have enough money that they can actually do this. They can say I'm going to live the way I yeah. want to live and no one can tell me how to live. I've cuz I, I live above the law. I, I live can make above my the own law. law. Yeah, I, you know, I call wealth ego fuel. You can do whatever you want and and um and the end of those lives is seldom cheery. I mean, those people are usually the most depressed and the most and the most despondent people in all of culture. And it's largely because they thought that this path of of extreme selfishness they thought that this path would make them the most happy. And the irony is, is that when you pursue a path of pure selfishness, you are the least happy. The least happy. And yeah. yet we also know when you look at culture that the people who, who love others, who love God, who invest in other people are the most happy. <laughs> so it really does seem, it's kind of ironic in a way, the less you think about yourself, the more chance you have that you will be a happier person. The more you think about yourself, well, the chances are very high that you're not going to be happy because self, they're, they're really in self, there really is no answer to life. There really isn't. It's in a relationship with God and with other people. And that's all about love. So that this is a, that's why this picture is just so stunning mm, because really you're going to have a whole world of people who feel like they've been cheated in some way. They thought they were going to get great life out of these things. They believed ideologies that promoted self above everything else. And yet in the end, to the degree to which they can actually accomplish that, they'll be most despondent and they'll say, is this it? Is this all there was? I thought this was going to make me happy. This didn't make me happy. And then you have a, then you have a collection of very discontent people who wonder what it's all about. 
I mean, it's a really, it's a dangerous place. And we see that happening today we in our really world. We really do. We really do. Um, well, it's, it's always really been true. happening a little bit, but we certainly see it on the increase. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I try and warn people, when you when you make self your God, you make yourself your God, you, you really only have yourself. <laughs> you know, and they, we used to say back in our generation, you know, I'm looking to find myself. <laughs> what do you find? Well, you're going to be disappointed when you, when you find. <laughs> you're when not you, who you think you are. When you find yourself, yeah, you're, you're less than you think you are. And when, in the end, all you have is you. All you have is you. So mm. that's just really discouraging. You're I still have, find that sobering. I know. I know. And I try and warn people about that all the time. I mean, you, the, to the degree to which, well, you remember, I tell the story all the time when I used to take youth groups on, on mission trips. We'd start before we got in the vans by doing a big circle and taking off some piece of clothing, like a hat or a shoe or something and throwing it in the middle and, and say, middle of the circle and say, that symbolizes you. That's yourself. That's your ego. That's all your interest in serving yourself on this trip. You're throwing it in the middle of the circle and you're saying, I'm leaving me behind on this trip. And now... What's left of me here, I'm dedicating to loving and serving and benefiting other people. And I, and then I would look everyone in the eye, I'd go around the circle and say, uh, the degree to which you live for others on this trip, you will be most happy. The degree to which you live for yourself, you'll be miserable. And I said, I'm, I'm convinced that when we come back, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And so we'd go off on these trips and we'd live every day serving other people. And it'd be a lot of work and it'd be really uncomfortable. But in the end, so much gold comes out of it. They, they get it. They sort mm-hmm. of get it about the fact. And then there's some kids, you know, who didn't really wise up to that. And they it's all about them in the middle of the trip. And they start whining about the circumstances and things are uncomfortable. And this is horrible. And me, 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 me. And you know, I remember one trip miserable. where you came home and there was a, yes. a person who came flying out of the van. I'm so glad we're back and I'm never doing this again. It was stark. And you know what? <laughs> the other kids saw that, too. And they understood. Yeah. They saw it graphically right there. So here's Jesus saying, think of an entire world that's dedicated mm-hmm. to self, that worships self. That's how things are going to be. But he had told them before, I'm telling you ahead of time, so that when it happens, yeah. you won't be blindsided by it, right? Right. And he started into this answer by saying, don't be misled. Right. And don't be afraid. Right. So in a way, even though their question was, give us a sign when this right. will all finish, he's saying, no, 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 that's the wrong question. Let's just talk about the process. The real question is what you need to do between now and then. That's the real question, and that's what I'm answering right here. And you need to be on your toes, because it's going to get really bad. It's going to get really bad. So it's really helpful that after all of these warnings, he says in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Yes. Right. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. Yep. Yep. Whether exactly. by the end of the world or by the end of your own life. Yeah. yeah right? Stay right. faithful. Right. He's telling us in sort of a vague way, but he's saying that there's value in enduring. Yes. Rather than just saying, well, God, it's pretty bad now. I'm ready to check out. And God's saying, nope, there's a value in enduring. You know, that is a theme throughout all of scriptures. Enduring. Enduring. Enduring because God is with you and his strength is sufficient. Yeah. And his provision is sufficient. Yeah. And this section in, in Mark's gospel makes that point many times about the endurance. So it's not the issue of how do I get out from under this? Because the, the word in Greek is actually is to stay under. You need to stay under this, you know, and there, and there will be a good end. That's the same 
saved part. So, you know, don't worry about that. But there's there's good value in enduring. So endure this. And this is not a surprise to me. So right. don't let it be a surprise to you. But he does give them something very positive to watch, to look mm-hmm. for, right? Starting in verse 14. Yeah. He says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Right. And I don't think it's an accident about the fact that the gospel will be spread so widespread in the midst of a world that has really yeah. rotted out to its core. I think the contrast and the and the highlighting of the need for yes. life from God will be so apparent. That's why the endurance is so important, because people need to know that there's a hope. There's something other than this rotten place that I live in. That's why the gospel will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. And so in, in difficult times, it moves fast. It spreads. Well, and it's been historic historically documented that the church, the authentic believers in Jesus, the church grows under times of persecution. Why is that? Because people are desperate. And when they see the real deal, they see the authentic love of God, the power of God, they're going, I... I want that because I sure don't want what the world is dishing out. Which is why it's wise for us to endure rather than to try and get out from under it. It's not just wise, it's essential. Right, and that's God's strategy in terms of reaching the world. I might read out of Revelation 14. Oh, please. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel Mm -hmm. to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Revelation fourteen six. So what he's talking about right here is exactly what's talked about in Revelation. At the end of all this stuff, the gospel will be preached throughout the entire world and the conflict will be a large reason why people will listen. Mm-hmm. It'll be the contrast from the conflict. Yeah. Whew. So, it did, were you looking for a sign? What sign did Jesus get? We still get? didn't get a sign He said yet. it's going to get bad and badder, right? right? And that's going to keep on going. But here's the hopeful part. Endure, because the gospel will also keep on going. As you endure. will reach the uttermost ends of the earth and to every nation. Right, right. Well, we're not done on the end of the age topic. (laughs) Matthew is quite complete on it, and we'll go next time. And he'll get closer to giving us some signs, you know. And uh, this thing that people banter around a lot called the abomination of desolation. Yeah, we're going to get to that. So we're going to continue on the topic. If if you feel like, hey, that's not enough information, I want to know more. Well, you just stay tuned, and Jesus gives us a lot more in this section of Matthew about the end of the age. But read what the Bible actually says, not what somebody else says the Bible says. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. And here's your great opportunity. Read it right here from the mouth of Jesus himself, the end of the age. So come back with us next time. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're in an exciting section of the end of the age here on More More Than Than Inc. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you're there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. Okay, we're going to muddle our way through this. (laughs) This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. Thank you.